Hello, Holly. What's going on, everybody? Give us a moment to load up, load in, ping some friends if you feel like they might um, want to hear this. What's going on? And hold on just a moment. We are loading it up. All right. All right, just give us one more second. Rishi, how's everything going? You doing all right? Hi, Antonio. I'm doing well. Looking forward to this conversation today regarding self-doubt. You know, I think it's a particular quality that many of us face. So it'd be nice to speak about and go into more today. Definitely. Thank you, Rishi. Um, all right. Thank you guys for coming in. We're going to get started here. I am going to um, add some topics and add a link. If you haven't been here already, this is the Spirit Lounge. What's going on, Jenny? I'm here with Rishi. He's a monk in the States. Uh, like I said, later I'm going to put up a link for an introduction to yogic philosophy class that he's been teaching. It's been really informative, really awesome. A lot deeper dive into some of the concepts that he you know, gets to share with us up here. My name is Antonio. I'm a designer in Brooklyn, and this is the Spirit Lounge. So head over to the Spirit Lounge if you haven't already. Um, we're, gonna, we're having rooms, you know, about two times a week. But more importantly, now we have replays, which is a really good feature. Glad Clubhouse brought it in. Um, that we can play back at our own time in our own leisure, like a podcast, uh, some of the other topics. So feel free to hit that up. And today, you know, we want to dive into a little bit of a, of a touchy subject, and it could be very sensitive. You know, I know I've, I've had to deal with this um, all throughout my life in different degrees, this idea of self-doubt. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure others have as well. And, and we just want to talk about what is self-doubt? Maybe where is it coming from? You know, as usual in the Spirit Lounge, we're not trying to find a right or wrong. We're just going to break down some concepts, try to look at them in a few different angles, um, a few different core uh, fundamentals added in, and see just kind of what we get what we get out of it. And with this idea of self-doubt, you know, we're in a world where we look around and there's everybody doing the awesome thing, and I'm sitting here in my room, but I'm not traveling, but I'm not hiking in the mountains with the cool boots. And we can get kind of doubting and we could like, wow, am I doing this right? Maybe I was maybe I was wrong. Maybe I should be doing that. And so it's a really in, uh, all-inclusive kind of idea. Self-doubt can come in many ways. So we're going to jump right into it. As I said, if you feel like um, you know somebody that might want to hear this or could, could benefit from listening or contributing as well, feel free to ping them in. If you do want to come up on stage, we might have a smaller room tonight so we can get to know each other and talk. If you have a question um, or if you have an insight you'd like to share, the opportunity is there if you raise your hand. So with that being said, Rishi, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into this topic and dial it a bit back. So if, if, when we think about self-doubt, you know, it's, it's almost like this little voice in the back of our heads that is destroying us in a way. And, and I think a friend brought up this term called self-defeating behaviors, um, where, we, where we create behaviors and act in a certain way and think in a certain way that kind of harm us. So I want to dial it back, Rishi, and ask you something more fundamental, and it has to do with the mind. Um, and, and, you know, I always love getting your perspective because you're going to bring it all the way back. It's going to be deep. And I think we can start to 
instead of forming the idea of doubt now, I just want to ask you, what is, you know, can, can you help us define what the mind is and, and what is its role? In other rooms, we've talked about the ego and its role. Is that related to the mind? What is this voice in our head, Rishi, if you don't mind opening us up um, with, that, with that kind of knowledge? Thank you, Antonio. I think that's a good place to start because before we start talking about self-doubt, it's important to first sort of understand the different components that make up who we are. So in Vedic philosophy, there are three components to who we are. And the way that we can look at it is like a computer. So you have the hardware, you have the computer itself, which is going to be your body, right? So it's the physical body that you can touch, that you can feel, that you can grab, hold on to, that comes and goes. And then you have the mind, which is sort of the software that is inputted into the physical hardware to help you to carry out certain functions that the computer needs to do. <clears throat> Without the software, the hardware is pretty much useless, right? You're not going to be accomplishing what you need to. And then you have the electricity. So the electricity is what gives life to the whole computer. If you don't have electricity, it's not even going to start on. So it doesn't matter how good your hardware is. <clears throat> it doesn't matter how good your software is. Without electricity, it's not even going to come to life. So in that way, what we can see is that that hardware is our body. The software is our mind. And that which gives life is what we refer to as the soul or the atma. <clears throat> so what happens is that the soul is eternal. And there's certain understandings of the soul that, that's spoken about in the Bhagavad Gita. It's stated that it cannot be cut, it cannot be burned, it cannot be wetted, it cannot be dried. So none of the elements can affect it. But it chooses to come into this world, this world that we live in, to experience duality. So if we understand something to be eternal, something to always exist, for a moment in time to experience duality, it must feel like it's separate from something. Right? Because if everything is connected, then it's very hard to experience duality. But when things are constantly changing, we perceive ups and downs, cold and heat, pleasure and pain, then we can have that experience. So for that soul, that Atma, to experience duality, it takes on a body, and it takes on a mind. So this whole Antonio, this whole Rishi, it's a combination of three things. It's that body, it's the mind, and that Atma that gives and energizes our whole personality. So that's how I would view who we are, the three components of who we are. Does that make sense before we continue? Absolutely, and, and I'm glad that we do make this distinction and we brought up this idea of um, relating it to a computer also, the hardware that's just mechanical, just doing what it, what the code is putting in, the software which has an ability to kind of alter the, the hardware's performance um, and the electricity, the user who's gonna ultimately use that software. But Risha, you bring up a point that, you know, in this idea of the soul being eternal, um, I think about it and I, it would, I would imagine that something that's eternal 
that has always existed will continue to exist, even though I can't rationalize, you know, with my mind what that means. I would imagine that something like that doesn't really doubt because it is connected with all the information. Um, so I, I guess my next question, you know, is self-doubt coming from a, a spiritual, from a spiritual voice, or is self-doubt, you know, in the mental level? Is it really, is it more in our mind? Absolutely, that's a great question. So when we've sort of established these three components, the body, the mind, and the soul, and we know that the soul is eternal, and it's here to experience duality, we know that the soul cannot really be touched by self-doubt. It cannot be touched by anything that is of a lower quality. Self-doubt is just, uh, when we define self-doubt, it just literally means that we doubt ourselves. We doubt who we are. We doubt our identity. When we know ourselves to be eternal, what, what is there to doubt? So the self-doubt is definitely a product of the mind. So the mind is what tricks us into forgetting our true self for a moment in time, right? So as I said before, this whole, this whole experience of this world is we refer to it as a Leela or a game. And in the analogy that we've spoken about before, it's a theater play. So in this theater play, the stage is life, the actor is us. And for a moment in time, when we're playing this role, we've actually forgotten that we're an actor and we deeply identify with this role. So the identifying component is the body and mind. That's what tricks us into forgetting that we are an actor and thinking that we are actually that role. Let's say, for example, Romeo or Juliet uh, in that play that we're playing. So the mind causes us to think that we are all separate causes us to think that we have, uh, that we are uh, going to die, that we're in fact mortal. It causes us to forget that everything is divine. So in this space, the mind, it can trick us into also doubting our capabilities and our abilities to act in this world. Mm, beautiful, Rishi. And, and thank you everybody for coming in. You know, Rishi, um, it, it's it's kind of difficult because, you know, we're in a situation where we can have this understanding of the soul, but it's not as tangible and or it could may not be um, if we're not working on it as tangible and as almost livid as our thoughts inside of our head. You know, these things are going off all the time. I'm hearing thoughts. I got to deal with them all the time. And, um, you know, I do like this idea about us being a, too much attached to kind of how this role should be or what should happen in the world or how things, you know, how things should be. Um, but, but I don't know if I have another question. I'm just kind of, it, it's, it's very tough to hear the voice. And I think poets have written about this and artists write about it all the time of we want to be listening to the soul. You know, we want to be in this space where we can feel the energy of the soul, where we do feel that eternalness. But at the same time, we're kind of, we did also sign up for the 3D world, Rishi. So, uh, you know, I don't know if I have a question about that, but it's just, it seems like a, a, a difficult endeavor, you know, to let the soul be able to speak through us. Absolutely. It's the hardest thing in the world, <clears throat> right? To walk the spiritual path is one of the most difficult things that we can do. 
in this world because it's so difficult. The mind does such a good job into making us forget who our true, what our true nature is. It's said that um, the, when the creation that we live in goes through four stages, and these four stages are sort of broken up into states where we're much more identifying with the world and some states where we're less identifying with the world. And in the age that we live in is referred to as Kali Yuga. So in Kali Yuga, it says that our mind is so focused on external things, on material gratification. Let's look at our own lives, right? So we have access to literally anything at our fingertips. We're conditioned for instant gratification. Whatever we want, we can gain just like this. You know, before, even if you wanted food and you couldn't cook, you'd have to get in a car, you'd have to go in the cold, you'd have to go to the store and buy something. Now you can just press a button on an app and the food <laughs> is delivered to you. You don't even have to do anything. So in that way, in this age that we live in, it's very, very, very difficult for us to rise above the mind because we have so much sense gratification, right? It's all around us. So because of that, it's very difficult to rise above it. And there's a saying that says, you can either make your mind your best friend or your worst enemy. And so when we, when we understand this, another way that we can look at it, which is could be interesting, is that it's said that when you strive towards material gratification. So when you strive towards getting things of the world, it's said that it is like nectar in the beginning, but ends in poison. But when you strive towards a spiritual path, it is like poison in the beginning, but ends in nectar. So when we look at that, when we, when we analyze that, why, why is that statement made? Because when we go and try and get things of the world, there is a momentary pleasure that comes from getting that chocolate cake or having sex or doing this or doing that. Sure, you gain pleasure from it. But after that pleasure goes away with time, what comes is suffering or what comes is an addiction to gain more of it. And when you don't get it, then you're going to experience all types of negative qualities. So you're going to experience, for example, self-doubt, right? You are with somebody, you have a great time with them. The next day, don't, they don't call you. Or you, you think you thought that you did great in your school and your studies, but you get the results of your test and you, and you failed. Or you thought that you were a good friend, but then you find out that the, your friends actually don't like you. <laughs> or you think that you're really good at, uh, at your job, but then you get fired. So what happens here is that we start to become attached to trying to gaining this happiness from these things. And when it doesn't go in the right way, then it turns into poison. So that's why it's said that material gratification is like nectar in the beginning, but ends in poison. But when we operate from a space that is beyond the mind, when we operate from a space of higher understanding, it is stated that it is like poison in the beginning, but ends in nectar. So for all of you that have joined me in the chanting of the mantra, you know that it's like poison in the beginning, right? I know Dan is listening. It's very difficult. But over time, 
these spiritual practices help to help us to tap in to that higher state, to that higher nature. And when we tap into that, then it actually becomes very joyful. Every time that you do it, it's like, it's, it's like nectar. So yes, it is very difficult, but if you do the effort, you're going to really, it's going to make a huge difference in your life. And hi, Jason, it's been a very long time since we've connected, hope you're well. Hi, Rishi. Hi, Antonio. It's lovely to be here again with you. Peace, Jason. Thanks for coming. And um, thank you, everybody else up on stage. Jason, I'm going to give you some time to speak in a moment. And I had a few more things, Rishi, I wanted to, I wanted to you know, tag you in on. I really like this idea. Oh, also, everybody, thank you for coming out. This is the Spirit Lounge. You've been listening to Rishi. He's a monk in the States, and we're going to listen a little bit deeper. Um, you know, you brought up a really cool idea about sweet in the beginning nectar oh this is so good this is the honeymoon you know this is lovely and then it just starts turning sour and poisonous um and i have found that the opposite is true about the spiritual path at first it was like i'm losing everything and um and now it's like i've gained myself but you know and and i have a little experience with self-doubt where i was I was looking for a relationship. This is a few years ago and I was just out. I was trying to talk to everybody. I was seeing nothing was happening. And I was, I was really self-doubting. I was like, wow, I must be ugly. I must be like, a dumb, maybe I smell, maybe what's going on. And I had all this self-doubt, which was definitely my own mind. It had nothing to do with my qualities as a soul. It was, it was because of this expectation I had, this kind of what I thought should happen someone who what's going on sabrina um if you don't mind oh thank you um you know these expectations that i had of oh people should be in relationships i should be i'm old i'm 30 something i should be in a relationship but it's not happening what's going on and then i started attacking myself um and later that view evolved into understanding that i was doing stuff that wasn't meant for me to do and and now i'm getting into a way of accepting kind of what is a part of my life and what is not a part of my life. And, and that's weeding through, you know, the self-doubt into um, self-belief, I guess. So the question I want to ask you, and you kind of brought this up, um, you know, in your view, what is what could be some of the root causes of self-doubt, uh, Rishi? So for, for me, the root cause of self-doubt is spiritual ignorance. So when we don't have that higher knowledge of who we are, then that self-doubt comes because let's, let's break it down. Let's take it all the way to the root, right? So I have, there's, there's a certain spiritual ignorance that I have. And this ignorance makes me think that if I try and acquire things of this world, I will find eternal happiness. But what is the underlying quality of this world? What is the root quality of this world? That everything is constantly changing. Everything is coming and going. So when we understand that everything is changing, how can we possibly find eternal happiness in a constantly changing environment? Because every time we attach ourselves to, to something that we think will make us happy, it will go. So that is spiritual ignorance. It's firstly a misunderstanding of where true happiness arises. So with this spiritual ignorance, 
We think that getting things of the world will make us happy. So what arises in us? Desire. Desire for material gratification. So spiritual ignorance gives birth to material desire. So we start to act from a space of material desire, trying to acquire and gain things. But as we gain things and as they come and they go, we start to get attached to certain things. We start to have expectations over certain relationships that we are. And inevitably, these attachments and these expectations are not going to be fulfilled. And because of that, self-doubt starts to arise. So we start to question, why is it that this person doesn't like me, even though I like them so much? Why is what I'm doing not good enough for this person? I think that I'm very good. So because inevitably, we're always going to be let down by the world, right? Because everything is always changing. This is why the great saints, they, they, they're in the world, but they're completely detached from it. Because they know that in one moment they can be a king and in the next moment they can be a, a beggar on the street. So they don't really care about the outcome, but they just go about doing their duty. So awakening to the spiritual path doesn't mean that you have to go off into a cave and be, meditate or become a monk like me. It just means awakening to higher spiritual knowledge about how we should do our duty in this world. Thank you. Beautiful, Rishi. Um, thank you for that. And, you know, we got some friends up on the stage. I do want to get involved with you um, in a little bit. I want to say thank you for everybody for coming out. If you do want to raise your hand, if you have a question or something you'd like to contribute, you know, feel free to put that hand up. Um, so, Rishi, I do, I do agree, you know, and I like this view of our, our spiritual ignorance leading to doubt, these expectations we have kind of um, the, the drive of the ego to get happiness. And I do want to just say parenthetically that, you know, the, the physical world, and we've brought this up in other lounges, that the physical world is not bad. It's not evil. There's nothing wrong with it, with getting these experiences. But we're speaking about the point where the, the soul wants to um, detach and doesn't want to be so enthralled and wants to get to the more eternal realms as opposed to the physical. So just as a side note, anybody listening. Um, but Rishi, so, you know, that kind of leads me into this other question. If we could talk about the root cause, you know, um, how, how it is a mental activity, this self-doubt. We may think we deserve things in the world or things should work out this way. And we're pinning our happiness on if people like us, if we're getting feedback, um, and we can doubt when we don't get those things. So I guess what I want to ask, you know, there's this other element that comes into spirituality a lot, and we've spoken about it in other rooms, and it is humility. And humility is is essentially saying, I'm wrong. You know, I'm, I don't know what's right. I'm wrong, and, and I'm going to be open to see where life takes me, but I'm going to be humble. I'm going to bow down. Now, that is kind of similar to doubt. Doubting is also saying, I may not be right, but Rishi, do you think, you know, how does humility play? Um, humility that we talk about as a, as a kind of noble quality to be able to let life take us and to be open to life. Is that different or is that the same as doubt? And, and in particular, in this context of self-doubt. 
Yes, that's an important uh, it's an important distinction to make. And and before we just before we continue with that topic, you're absolutely right about the last point. You know, when I speak about spiritual ignorance, if we can take the analogy of an actor that's in a play, spiritual knowledge is that actor remembering that he's an actor. Right? He's remembering that, oh, wait, I'm not this actual person in this play, this role I've been given, but I'm an actor playing the role. So spiritual ignorance is forgetting that you're an actor playing the role. When you awaken to spiritual knowledge, that does not mean that you say, you know what, I'm an actor, uh, I'm not gonna continue in the play anymore. Um, take care, and then you just walk off stage. No, you continue to play a role, but a different, <laughs> but with a different level of awareness. So it's the same with life. When you gain spiritual knowledge, it's not that you uh, stop doing what you're doing. You can possibly still end up being a mother or a father or a doctor or a dentist. It's not going to change. But the awareness of why you are doing it and how you're doing it will be different. So that's an important distinction to make. So thank you for that. So regarding uh, this concept of humility and the, regarding the concept of self-doubt, Humility arises when we awaken to our higher self. Self-doubt arises when we identify with the ego. So self-doubt is something that takes us further away from realizing who we are. There's always a saying that if the ego makes you think that you are a saint, don't believe it. If the ego makes you think that you are a sinner, also don't believe it. So the ego will go to the, to the depths of the opposites. It'll try everything that it can to keep you in ignorance. So it'll make you think you're a terrible person or it'll make you think you're a great person. But both is arising from the ego. And when you go into this, it'll just take you further away from who you are. So self-doubt arises from the ego. Humility awakens when you realize your higher self. So when you realize your higher self or when you get too close to realizing your higher self, what are some qualities that awaken in you? you? Firstly, you start to understand that everybody is divine. Antonio is divine. Jason is divine. Sabrina is divine. Dan is divine. Divinity does not see hierarchy, right? One person is not more divine than the other. Everybody is exactly the same amount of divine. When something divine, the quality of divinity is eternality. So eternality cannot be cut up. Even if you take a part of a whole, the part still is the whole. I know Jason likes this mantra, the Purnamadam Purnamidam mantra. So when even if you take a part of the whole, the part still remains the whole. So in that way, we understand that we are all divine. And in that space, there's no judgment. There's no seeing things differently. And, and humility naturally awakens. You also know that it's all just a game. Everything is sort of divinely ordained. The play will go on how it needs to. You're not going to be, if you wake up tomorrow and get hit by a bus, can you control that? Probably not. If you wake up tomorrow and you find out you have terminal cancer or dementia, is that something you can control? No. So humility is also understanding that the flow of life will go where it needs to. <laughs> and all you can do is just kind of 
take a raft and follow it, follow the river of destiny to where it leads to. So that's, I would say, is the difference between humility and self-doubt. Mm, beautiful. Humility is in that way, um, accepting what's happening and self-doubt is rejecting what's happening. I don't believe this. No, I can that, that I totally did this right or wrong and wanting to reject reality. Beautiful, Rishi. Thank you very much. Um, I do want to ask Jason, you know, and we'll just go down the line, Sabrina and Dan, if you guys had, Jason, if you had anything, you know, any, any times that self-doubt have you been stricken by, or maybe you've overcome it, or, um, or things that you might have learned in a, in a space of being in humility, or, you know, just other questions. Got the mic. Always a pleasure having you up here, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Antonio, and just really enjoying Rishi's uh, wisdom transmissions here, and I think I might try and synthesize um, some of what I'm hearing as well. So certainly <laughs> the, the oscillating journey between um, in wise understanding in relation to truth versus back down into doubt. And I think that's one of the, the, the aspects of the spiritual journey is kind of road is that we are um, often pulled into spaces of self-doubt because we live in a, in a culture and a world where certain forces are I guess in a way, at, at, at dissonance to those spiritual intelligences, those spiritual energies that Rishi's talking about, that higher self that when it wants to inform through us has a, has a truth to it. And for me, the opposite of, of, of doubt is truth and an understanding of truth. And that's not necessarily an understanding through the cognitive mind, it's an embodied understanding. And so, you know, sometimes I find myself getting pulled back d down into, you know, the cultural um, narratives and the, and the things that are playing out in the world. And I notice the energies that, that I otherwise might try to build into my being, um, and, and have an alignment with can drop out. And that is really just dropping out of that, um, those, the, the, the vibration or the field of the sort of subtle and causal realm intelligences. So it's certainly for me, uh, an important understanding that when we create connection to those spiritual realms, so there is no spiritual ignorance here, we're actually um, developing relationship to, it's a resource, it's a resource to give us a different space to understand what happens in those moments of self-doubt because we can just spin and spin and spin. So when, when I'm, I'm personally in those moments, I remember, I remember that, uh, there's things playing out through me, through my energetics, through my being, through my mind, through my stories that are uh, less vibrant, less alive, and less truthful than the things that move through me when I am in connection with spirit. And so that's a resource, I call upon it. And what it does is it, it tends to, and the more I've kind of walked down the road, um, it, it, it gives space to be objective to those self-doubting experiences, to be more passive and observe them rather than be caught up in them because we tend to so easily get caught up in those lower vibrational spaces and they spin us out. So getting a little bit of air around that, observing it and noticing it and then of course resourcing from those higher spiritual intelligences that are always available to us and in doing so 
we can get a tone and a taste of truth again in our world and in our experience. That's what I want to add for the moment. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. That was a lovely insight. And, you know, it's been a long time since we've connected. And if you're open to it, maybe as we're closing out the room in a little while, we'd love to possibly do a small meditation where we can really go into that space where which resides beyond that self-doubt. So if you'd be open to it, it would be, would be lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Rishi. And yeah, no pressure, Jason. Um, but we do, I do want to ask Sabrina as well. Actually, Jason, you know, I did really appreciate the point as a resource that sometimes we go away and we get back on, you know, we'll get off the horse and we get back on. We self-doubt a little bit and then we know, no, you know what? I knew where it was at. And I, and I think it's a good way to look at it like a resource that we get to. And, and it's not like a burden, you know, it's not a burden to be in self-doubt. It's, it's very healthy and it's very normal. And when we're ready, we can get over to the resources that we go to the library and we can read and we, you know, and uh, so I think that's a very, very beautiful idea you brought up. I want to just say that. Um, Sabrina, do got you up on stage. You know, have you had any experiences with self-doubt, um, how it maybe affected you at some point in your life or, or perhaps experiences around humility or even just a question? The mic is yours and we'd love to hear from you. Hi everyone, it's a great honor to be with you all. You guys can hear me well? Yeah, coming through fine. Good, wait. Well, I, I believe the, the most challenging time that I feel a lot of self-doubt in my life was um, through my career when I really want to change. And, uh, you know, I was just being promoted and I was like oh everything was so perfect but I was not happy <laughs> so I was reaching for that financial success that we all learn to reach when we are young you know so that was I believe that was to me the most challenged time where I was like what is going on? I was I was looking for it, and then uh, suddenly everything solved, and I understand that um, I was in my maybe it was not long ago, it was ten years ago, when I understood that actually uh, material things they they are not they were not that important to my life, so that was when I most challenging and then I start to really have this spiritual growth where Rishi mentioned to you all and then I start really researching to my you know spiritual success and uh, it's so amazing how self-doubt itself solves because when you really do that very pause yourself and when you're in, in that chaotic situation and you think what is going on here but actually it's just your mind your ego play too much and you just forgot yourself you know <laughs> you just forgot really to uh, understand that you're you're a perfect being you're a wonderful being just as you are 
and that's why I just love so much to make tapes because it really me brings me to dissolves any type of duality that my mind has and uh, I do not rush any decision so I that's just my own experience that I want to share with you but most likely what I really love about the wisdom tradition was really move me from suffering to freedom of my mind and the unique way I can do that is really being with myself and being in silence. <laughs> so when we are in silence, you know, all this self-doubt all goes away. Just wonderful. And thank you for listening to me. Thank you, Sabrina. And thank you for that share. You know, I think you brought up a good point about loving ourselves. And I think that's a good way to combat self-doubt. And maybe we get to, you know, towards the end, we get to some more ways to get over self-doubt, but that ability to do just like what you said, appreciate ourselves, know we're complete, know that it's all good. And, and that, you know, we don't need this external validation all the time. And that's, that's kind of what is at the center of the self-doubt argument. So thank you for that, Sabrina. Thank you everybody for coming up. Dan, I do want to get to you in a second. I do want to say, if you haven't already, Head over to the Spirit Lounge page if you feel compelled. If you haven't been in any of our rooms before, there's a bunch of cool replays over there so you can take your time with them. Listen if you feel like sharing. That sounds cool too. Um, we're here with Rishi. He's a monk in the States. I have added up at the top of the at the top of the clubhouse um, introduction to yogic philosophy a class that he's been teaching. So if you want to dive a little bit deeper into, into some of his knowledge that he's been up here sharing with us, feel free to reach out to the link um, my name is Antonio, and we're going to have another room on Saturday around 1.30. Getting pretty regular with it, so feel free to, to you know, follow in. And if you do have a question in this room, we're going we're gonna to keep rolling for a little bit longer. Uh, you can raise your hand or if you had something you want to share. Dan, I wanted to get to you a bit, you know, um, about, about this idea of self-doubt and how have you dealt with it before? Have there been situations where we're kind of like crippled you with self-doubt or maybe the opposite, maybe about humiliation, like becoming humble in a role or in, in a way, um, Dan, the, the mic is all yours. We want to hear from you. Thanks Antonio and lovely moderation skills and Rishi, um, always a joy. Thank you so much to you both. Um, I, I want to be quick. Uh, yeah, I deal with self-doubt all the time. And I've had a, I've, I've had really big bouts of it in the last year, especially as I continue to grow and expand into my true nature. And as a photographer and a brand coach, my previous life was in corporate branding. Corporate. I used to, um, well, I've dealt with a lot of people's self-doubt. Their inability to take a stand, their inability to smile at the camera because they, they doubt themselves. And so one of my gifts is helping people to really like see and value, I think, their, their beautiful parts because we all have them, we all have divinity. But something that has really served me that I learned from Rishi um, about, I don't know, maybe a year ago on Clubhouse, um, something that's really been of value to me and something that I've taken into the teaching that I work doing my coaching and consulting works specifically is to help remind people that 
it's not a, like the whatever we're doing, it's not about whether I'm good at it or not. It's about how I can be of service with it. And I think that we're happiest when we're in service with our gifts and feel valued in the process. And so for me, something that's really helped just get out to get out of the way of myself is to stop thinking about what it does for me, but thinking about like, this is the best, this is the funnest gift. This is my favorite gift. And this is what I want to be in service of. And this is my opportunity. And just touching on that duty more and more, along with the chanting, I highly, highly, highly recommend the chanting with Rishi in the morning. Those things have really helped me, I think, accept divinity, which I was very far away from for a long time. I've had a hard time feeling love in my life for a number of reasons. And um, I had really negligent um, parents, but really, I mean, they were absentee. I, I have abandonment issues, so I have a hard time uh, letting love in. And our relationship with our parents is our relationship with God. And so God felt far away for a long time. Although I was like really on my spiritual path and just really wanted to self-develop because I wanted to stop suffering, basically. And I wanted to get more. And also I knew that I had something to offer, but I didn't really know what it was. But instead of thinking about like, what is it that I, like what, you know, making it about me and like, how am I doing it better? And how can I do it be a little bit better? Making it about how can I help this person a little better has just made my life a lot easier. And that's all I got. Thank you so much again, Antonio and Rishi. This has been a lovely conversation. Thank you, Dan, for that share. That was that was beautiful. You you touched sort of at the culmination of of, of trying to find an answer to that self-doubt, which is love. Um, and ultimately, love can be experienced when we are in alignment with our true nature. And our true nature is to serve the rest of the whole. You know, for a lot of us, we're like a pinky on a hand. Imagine if the pinky one day decided, you know what, I'm not going to serve the hand. I'm going to go to Bali. I'm going to spend a couple weeks in Bali. I'll come back later. Firstly, the pinky will not even have that ability. It cannot go against its very nature. And every time that it struggles to fight its nature, it's going to experience suffering. And in the same way, our very nature is to love and to serve the whole. And as long as we fight that, as long as we believe that that is not our nature, we're going to experience suffering. So the best way to serve is to love, is to do your whatever duty you've been given as a way to serve and help others, to put a smile on their face, as you said, Dan. So thank you so much for that share. And it's also really nice to see you back in the chanting. Um, it's nice to have you there. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Wow, dropping some bombs. Please come back because I really loved what you said about not not so much is what I do getting an accomplishment. Am I doing this better? Am I doing this? But how I do it? How is that sincerity? You know, that we speak about a lot in the lounge, the sincerity of an action coming through as opposed to is it the biggest car? Is it is it, you know, the cleanest house? Did I get the nicest boots? Um, instead of the what, it's more of this how that starts to have a potency. Beautiful contribution, Dan. Thank you very much for that. Um, Hector, we got you up on stage running a little low on time. So I want to know if you had a question that you'd like to ask about this idea of self-doubt or, um, or humility is kind of getting tied in. The mic is yours.
room. It was more of a comment slash question, perhaps. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, come on. Okay. When I show up in the mirror, that's when I start to really see. I look to the left and I see my past. And I look to the right and I see my future, which is not here yet. And when I look deep in the mirror, I, I fear myself because I see the good and the bad. But as I looked deep, I used to look in the pond. And then it became a lake. And then it became an ocean. And now I'm able to, to look down underneath and see the darkness in the ocean. And I'm part of that ocean. We are all part of that ocean. And it makes me larger and more infinite. And when I look... I feel is one. We're all one. And the fear subsides. And to you all, my brothers and sisters in the room, if you're not doing this correctly, you you have no fear. But if you're doing it correctly, there is fear involved. And if that fear is the unknown, embrace it with love, compassion, and understanding. Namaste. Beautiful, Hector. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I did have, I did have another, you know, question. Maybe we could have a little like takeaway, Rishia. I want to ask you, but I did want to share something, and this is a quote that kind of popped into my mind. Not my favorite artist, but uh, Kanye once said, "Everything I'm not made me everything I am." And and when I was in the deepest right. parts of self doubt, oh, Rishi, you there? Yeah, I, I believe you cut off at the end. Oh. If you could please repeat that again, that'd be great. Yep. Thank the you. Quote, the quote was, everything I am not made me everything I am. And and I really thought about that for a long time in times of this self-doubt where I'm getting low, I'm beating myself up. And I realized, and it, it this is a process that took years. It's tough, but I could you know say it in a sentence or two that in time, I realized the things that I was doubting that I didn't get or that I didn't have this or this didn't go right. Those things wasn't who I was. And by removing so many things who I was not, I was able to find out who I am. And, and, and this is an ongoing process. I'm not all the way there, you know, but this idea that self-doubt is attacking. And Rishi, I think that was kind of one of your points in the beginning, that self-doubt the ego is the mind trying to make us not remember who we are and, and and including these other things. Oh, you are a person who wants a girlfriend. You're a person who is a professional architect. You're a person that does this. And and I was attaching to these things. And when it wasn't working out, it was just getting, you know, getting all this self-doubt. And, and in time, it helped sift. And now I can be more calm and be like, okay, I don't have that stuff. But that's not who I am anyways. And it is the things that I don't have, which is which is kind of formed the who I am. It's just something to think about there. Um, I do want to say thank you, everybody, for coming out. And Rishi, I want to get to a little bit of a takeaway. 
you know, we've, we've been talking all over about self-doubt, about the mind, about um, our view in the world, kind of expectations that we could have that can lead us to the, these self-defeating habits. Um, and also acknowledging, you know, to Hector's point, that the good and the bad is incorporated, that it's not something just to run away of. It's part of our experience. Uh, but Rishi, I want to ask you, you know, maybe um, if you can give us a few tips perhaps on on how we can overcome self-doubt and i think some other of our friends up on the stage have shared some as well but i just want you know i think if we can codify or solidify in a little bit some ways you think that we can tools techniques or 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 ways of thinking that we could use to help overcome self-doubt rishi i'd love to hear from you thank you antonio i'll just share a few small points and then it'd be lovely to um have Jason sort of guide us uh, into into the night, depending on where where you are in the world. You know, I think everything that everybody said was spot on. So there isn't really so much more to say. And I had mentioned this particular quote in the Vedas, which is Yadrishti Sa Shrishti. As your vision, so is your universe. So as you view the world, so is how you will react to it. And so ultimately, it's about making the mind your best friend rather than your worst enemy. Because the ups and downs will happen all of the time. I'll give a perfect example. So, you know, I've created this sort of Instagram profile where I can connect with people. Now that more and more people are connecting with me, it seems that there are a lot of fake profiles that have sort of taken my identity and are sending messages to people. But what's really beautiful is there's these people that I don't even know have contacted me and said, you know, somebody is, share, uh, you know, somebody is, has a fake account and they're, they're representing you. And in that moment, actually, it's a great opportunity to start a conversation with a lot of them that I've never connected to before. And then through that conversation, you know, they come to a yogic philosophy class or they pick up chanting. So in that way, this world of duality is always going to exist. Right? We're always going to be faced with ups and downs, no matter if we are holding the torch of righteousness and trying our best to spread spirituality. We're not going to be sheltered from the ups and downs. right? For example, of somebody creating a fake account and doing these things, it's always going to be there. And so in that way, it's about changing the way that you that you view the world. So you, you don't view it from the space of the ego, but you view it from the space of the heart. And when you do that, actually all negative qualities that you perceive in yourself, you start to convert it to strengths. So self-doubt becomes humility. Anger becomes compassion. Lust becomes spiritual love. Greed becomes satisfaction. So all of your lower, lower qualities get transferred to your higher qualities. But to do that, you have to make the effort, you have to be strong, and you have to continue to walk the path and be of service. So I'll end it there. And um, thank you for everybody that came to the room and contributed and listened. Uh, it was lovely to share this space and to be part of this uh, Sangha. So thank you. Jason, are you are you open? Sure, it would be well, a pleasure. Uh, actually, thank you, thank you for the opportunity to really just take and amplify 
the essence of what Rishi was just talking about there. Because it is the heart, the heart space. And Rishi talks about this sort of the short journey from the mind to the heart. So the invitation as we close out the room is really just to come into your heart space right now. Breathing into that space. And with your awareness, feeling the energies of the heart. Feeling the embodiment of those energies through the heart. And perhaps for you it might be a bit clunky today or might be some resistance and that's totally okay. And perhaps you can sink ever further into the vast, vast, wise, loving heart. Breathing deeply into the heart and out from the heart. This transformational zone of awareness. Which is connecting you, always, always connecting you to your higher self, divinity. And the sponsorship of those divine intelligences. As we bring through invitation and awareness and our practices a relationship into our life with these energies. It's like Rishi was saying, we can transform, overcome, alchemize, fear into courage, doubt into truth, hatred into love, Confusion into clarity. Apathy into knowing. Breathing that into your being. Allowing the part of you that knows, regardless of where you are on the path, the part of you that knows and has always known. Your connection, your beingness. your truth as divinity.
your truth as divinity, who you really are, always have been and always will be. Thank you, many blessings, many blessings, many blessings. <laughs>